opinions expressed on ACV Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Welcome, welcome to Sunday edition. As you just heard, I am your host, Anthony Corona, and we are here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. The podcast drops not long after wherever you get your made, wherever you get your podcast. I am here with my executive producer extraordinaire, Bryn Lee. Hey, Bryn. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's your week been? How you feeling? Oh, tired. Uh, oh, all right. Tonight. <laughs> Having a good time. Uh, how is your it- weekend going? Weekend's going well. Uh, we have house guests and extra puppies, and we're having a little uh, impromptu Memorial Day pool party tomorrow. So things are things are good. What's going on for the fun zone tonight? Um. Well, it is Memorial Day, so we're going to be uh, playing some uh, memorial uh, humor, uh, songs about the military and uh, that sort of thing, and also some songs about uh, summer vacation. Awesome, awesome. Behind the scenes, we have Sheila handling the Zoom side and Jane handling the clubhouse. So if you have questions for these fine folks we're going to hear from today, closer to our second hour, we'll be opening up the uh, the hands and the request to participate from clubhouse. So, uh, you know, get your get your hands up when you have a question and we'll be recognizing them later on in the show. A couple of weeks ago, Sunday edition very quietly passed its three year anniversary mark. And uh, instead of having an anniversary show, we did a a really great one last year. We decided that we are going to have a monthly book club to talk about great literature that says something that speaks to um, topics that speak to ideas and thoughts. Um, for our community. And we chose A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle. Yes, it is marketed as a young adult fiction book, but um, it has some powerful concepts that all of us should and um, and can, you know, think about and dive into. And that will be tomorrow at 12 p.m. You'll uh, find the links on all of your various email lists and the Facebook page. So if you are interested in talking about the novel A Wrinkle in Time, the author Madeline Langle, or some of the concepts like like and equal the same thing, um, please join us tomorrow at 12. Did Maria Christic happen to join us? I have not seen her. All right. Maybe later in the show, I will have an announcement from the International Relations Committee about their um, contest that they're holding, uh, International Voices. So let's take a quick break and I'll get that announcement up. Bryn Sheila, any other announcements that we should uh, throw out there? Oh, yes. The Florida (laughs) Council of the Blind Auction is Tuesday night beginning at 7 p.m. It is on Zoom and please anybody you do not have to register please 
find the Zoom link. If you don't have it, I have sent it out to leadership and conversation and presidents and everybody in the world should know the Zoom link. But if you don't, you can reach out to me and I can send it to you. And then starting Thursday is the Florida Council of the Blind 70th birthday celebration for our state convention. So hopefully you will all listen in. We've got some fantastic programming going on. We really do have some fantastic programming. I'm I was looking through the registration at last minute, of course, um, and uh-huh. thought to myself, "Wow, we're doing a great job this year." Um, I myself am putting on the legislative panel and a program called Electric Youth on Saturday morning, and it's all about Electric Youth. The least is all about inspiring younger persons to become a part of not only the Florida Council of the Blind, but the American Council of the Blind and some things that we're trying out in the state of Florida that hopefully would translate across the country. So please feel free to uh, join on ACB Media. Um, I'm pretty sure it'll be on speaker. Don't forget uh, yes. who our banquet speaker is. Our banquet speaker Saturday night is Clark Rockfall, and he's not going to be talking about ACB. We're going to dive into him as a person. So I'm very looking forward to that. Yes, hopefully we get some cool stories about his athletic life. Clark, mm-hmm. as you may know, uh, is a Paralympian and has had a pretty uh, pretty cool life. So please tune into that as well. All weekend long, it should be on ACB Media 8. But unfortunately, that means that next Sunday, uh, this show will be a repeat. I will be back the following Sunday with a great show. Don't remember who is on it. So I, you know what? Bless. All right. Today, it is all about constitutional amendments, resolutions, and voting. So we have lined up some fine folks to give us overviews. And then later on, we will open it up for your questions. So first up at that is Mr. John McCann, who is going to walk us through the amendments that are being proposed and what the timeline looks like. So, John, uh, John welcome back to Sunday Edition. Uh, thank you, Anthony. Um... So why, why don't we just jump into it? The Constitution and Bylaws Committee this year, um, let, me, well, let me make some general comments first. I think if there can be said to be one overarching consideration that guided our deliberations and, and motivated such constitutional amendments as we did elect to at least propose this year, uh, it was that we received very, very, uh, unequivocal feedback in September of 2022 that uh, folks were simply not interested in a two and a half week, three week long convention. I totally get that. I think conventions at that length are wholly unviable. Uh, Short of constitutional amendments and or bylaw amendments, we have shortened it this year and we we may have shortened it enough. Let's see how this year goes. But we were, I think, both voting 3.0 and the Constitutional Bylaws Committee were very much concerned about how we could make our procedures uh, and the the convention uh, practices more efficient while not at all compromising our fundamental democratic principles. Uh, I, I hold by that. There has also been somewhat of an intimation, um, at least on the leadership list, that well, you know, where where are these constitutional and bylaw uh, proposals come from? The short and very honest answer is they come from the committee. No one during my tenure, which goes back to a fourteen 
14 September of 2021, no one has brought a constitutional and or bylaw amendment to the committee. They have all been, if you will, committee generated. But such amendments as were proposed last year and as are proposed this year, whether whether they will remain proposed is is something I'll discuss in a few minutes. Uh, Such amendments as, as have gone forward, at least to date, have arisen organically from debates and discussions uh, among the members of the voting 3.0 task force and the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. So let me take you through, and I think I'll take them in order of controversy as we were given some barometer on that uh, at last Thursday's open If I may jump in with a question, John, I I'm imagining that the results of last year's survey, as far as convention was concerned, and the surveys that were put out during legislative visit were part of the discussions when crafting these amendments, right? Yeah, well, we just, I I just know that people don't want three week long conventions or even two and a half week long conventions. I don't have any more specifics available to my mind as, as to what the critiques were. Maybe there were some critiques I should be aware of that that that, that might have been helpful. But I just, speaking for me personally, and I think this would be true, others can speak for themselves who are on voting task force and constitution. Uh, the general message was two and a half weeks of convention done, cut it. Yep. Okay, thanks. And, and something's going to have to be done. That reality, I, I do not apologize for in any way, shape or form. Now, how we address the need to shorten the convention while maintaining true to our, our democratic values. That, that's, uh, uh, it's not so much an open question, but the mechanics of how we achieve that may be open to some uh, debate. And that may be putting it charitably, some debate. John, so, before you go yeah. on, if I could just supplement what you just said with one Certainly. quick idea. I think another consideration um, that is running through our deliberations is the idea that if we're going to have sufficient time to have the number of panels and speakers, etc., at general sessions, then we needed to do whatever we could to streamline, if at all possible, um, the part of our business meetings. And I think that was sort of another element of it. And and That's where right. where we reach that, you know line of getting you know enough of the enough business but enough speakers is something that i think will take years to finally flush out to build a balance and to find the sweet spot so to speak that is jeff tom you know what i'm remiss we uh have pat sheehan jeff tom connie sims and deb cook lewis in addition to john with us so i'm sure they'll be jumping in with thoughts of their own as well i just wanted to make sure everybody knew who was on the call go ahead fellas can I jump in with one more thing in this sort of staging discussion, if I could? Absolutely. <clears throat> I think the things that John and Jeff have said are spot on. I think the other thing that has uh, concerned me in this whole process is that um, now that we um, and now that we are in our our hybrid form, uh, when we need to do a record vote, we uh, it actually takes us. It is kind of in our current configuration, it's only possible for us to do one record vote per day. I don't know if people really realize that. So um, 
for example, I mean, it's something that I know, but I don't think I've thought of a lot till lately. So, for example, if we have a contested election, um, that's where the real example comes in. Um, if we're talking about our constitution and bylaws, we have that already set up because it's required to be a record vote. And any uh, record vote resolutions will be voted at that same moment. So uh, that's easy. But, but when you're running, when you're running your elections and you have <clears throat> various candidates and they run against each other, et cetera, we're only able to do one record vote per day. And the reason this is the case is that we, um, have to, uh, set up the ballot and we, um, and, and it has to, and people have to have time to go vote and we need to allow enough time for that to occur. So, um, one issue certainly is the roll call votes during the convention, but that's always been an issue. The The real issue is that we can only have one record vote per day. So in reality, this year, um, uh, we can't have a record vote on Saturday night because that's where we would establish our first need for a record vote ever where we went to in the elections. But then we can have a record vote basically take place between Saturday and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So the, the actual maximum record votes we can have is four. Now, probably where we're likely to only be electing the officers, you know, something could happen that we are electing something else. That may not be a problem, but think about that in the year when we're electing five board members and three BOP members. So there's eight people to be elected if we had eight contested elections, which is not usual, but not impossible. And, and some elections have to be run twice if there are more than two candidates. We're going to run into a problem very, very fast. So that's, that's another consideration that we have as we're working through this process. And the Deb. other thing to add to that, Deb, is uh, the affiliates mm -hmm. need to meet, so they have to figure out how they're going to cast their votes. And that has to be done before those votes are cast. Right. Well, the way that we've been doing that is overnight. So right. it, it, mm -hmm. it's, that's, that's probably uh, not as much of a problem as just having the record vote occur yeah. at all. Um, but you yes, you're right. It's, it's they're the together, together they constitute the, the issue. Um, <clears throat> there could be a way to, to do that differently, but the way our, the way our general session is now set up and the way our event is set up, um, you know, like I said, we can only have a four record votes this year and that's all we can have. Well, that puts somewhat of a premium on our uh, setting the bar a little higher for forcing record votes. So I guess initially I was going to just talk about the two easiest amendments. Uh, I thought the one I'm about to speak about would have been, if not a puffball, not overly controversial. I was brutally disabused of that notion last Thursday. <laughs> Um, yes. Some people, some people who were there, I think, uh, uh, and that perhaps raises questions about the extent to which I'm just in sync with. Uh, I don't want to say groupthink, but but where where the membership is and how much more educating may need to be done, and the the level of setting the stage. Um, that, that's another discussion, and I, I want to keep some of those comments within the committee. Um, I think some people may think that the committee is out of touch and. 
I don't think we are, but but if we are, we better know that now sooner than later, number one. Number two, I think we are in the first instance charged with the responsibility uh, and we're the ones who, who are putting in the time and looking at the governance concerns that are legitimately raised by our, by our having embraced this brave new world of, of the hybrid convention. I think everyone likes the hybrid convention, but anyone who thinks that it isn't going to come at some cost, mm-hmm. be it time, be it efficiency, whatever, you're fooling yourselves. You, this I will not apologize for. Uh, the new hybrid world is going to force some different practices. Um, efficiency comes at a cost. Should it be some dictatorial, whatever the, whatever the chairman says goes? Of course not. Of course not. But unless you want three week long conventions and things, some things are going to have to happen, whether they happen this year, whether they happen in 24, whether they happen in 26. I just hope that they happen in time before it becomes irrelevant and ACB um, is, is really comprom- is, is compromised and becomes less effectual and less of a, a presence in the blindness world than, than I hope it can remain. And I, and I think it can be. All right. Let's take a look at the constitutional amendments. The first one, from a drafting standpoint, was easy does it. From a consideration standpoint, not so much. Simply put, right now, you have to have 25 people standing to compel a record vote on any issue. We've already talked about how we are constrained in doing the time constraints operative on record votes now. And keep in mind, constitutional bylaws committees per the DC code, DC uh, nonprofit, governance statute, we, that those must be uh, rec- recorded votes. We were seeking to raise that to 50. Uh, to say that we got some blowback would be a somewhat of an understatement. Um, the committee is now considering whether to pull it back, speaking strictly for myself and if other members of the committee want to make a public comment here, that's fine. I want to get some data. Um, we uh, have been given data uh, by some members of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. I reached out to Nancy Becker. Uh, as an attorney, I am all about making decisions based on confirmable, uh, documentable data that we are regard that we all are prepared to consider to be or to be to regard as being factual. Okay, it's all about data for me. I don't want to get into specific numbers, but I'd rather have some hard numbers to so that we can talk about just what percentage of the operative numbers uh, is represented by 25. So again, without meaning to, to set parameters or, or to, to strongly advocate here, well, I, I will use perhaps some. If on the standing votes, we've had numbers in 600, 611, 603, in around that, 25 represents about 4.1%. Okay, so. Now, I can hear what people are going to say. Why not just make it a percentage? The percentage of people who are in the room or at, at any given time goes up and down. I don't think that we should stake it to a defined percentage of those who register. Um, I do continue to think, based on the information I presently have, that 25 is inordinately low. But let's get some more data. Then one of two things will happen. Um, the, the committee will either pull it for this year or we'll say, based on the information we have, we believe in this and let it go forward and let the let, let the convention tell us that we're on drugs or whatever. I'm being a little flippant, but um, all right. The second the second uh, proposal that we had was to amend 
uh, roll call procedures, this would simply have allowed for, po for folks to submit electronically, um, and this could have included phone, although it didn't say so. We, I will own that we didn't flesh this out uh, to the extent that we perhaps should have. So I'm, I personally am okay with pulling uh, 2302 uh, because I think it, I think it needs to be refined. But the idea was instead of people wailing and flailing in the aisles trying to find the mic so that they can announce their uh, affiliate vote, uh, that affiliate votes would simply be uh, submitted electronically to not only the secretary but the head teller of elections that would be nancy becker or perhaps even a team we could we could have and we didn't specify things at this level of particularity set up a, a contact point for electronic submission again just to make things go more smoothly uh again i can't speak for the committee but the the pulling this one back doesn't bother bother me so much let's take the next two um one was submitted by the board, and I apologize because I apparently didn't get it right the first time. Deb, I will be sending you what I believe to be what the board actually wants. So kindly confirm that. I'll do that sometime today. But what would happen in a nutshell is that the treasurer would be a mandated uh, member of the board's budget committee in addition to three other members. So you would have an even-numbered committee, but I think since that that budget committee performs an advisory function. If you have a split, the committee can just simply say that and let the board make the ultimate decision, which it is responsible for doing it anyway. The, this committee truly is advisory. Um, it has no power except to do the spade work in getting a budget together and presenting it to the board. So uh, it surprised me that that wasn't the case already. This is something that the board wants. The Constitution and Bylaws Committee was certainly not interested in second guessing uh, the board's preference in this regard. And I hope that the membership would show an equivalent degree of deference uh, since this is a board practice and doesn't go to the heart of our organization, the, uh, its democratic ethos, et cetera. Would By you like me to explain how that came about, John? Sure, it, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's yeah. very pretty simple. So okay. the yeah. so the budget committee, as John said, has been the by requirement has been made up of three people. Of course, the president is is an ex officio member of every committee, so the president is there. But three people. One of those three has always been the treasurer. I mean, everybody keeps saying, "Well, that's a no brainer." The I guess we thought so, because every year that I know of, which is several, um, the treasurer has been a member of the budget committee and ought to be, right? So then that only leaves you two people to appoint from the board. And so um, it, it, it is a pretty, it makes a pretty small additional group. And so the board suggested that maybe the way to actually make this a little bit better and have more representation um, would be simply to declare that the treasurer is an automatic member, but you would still appoint three people. So, so that makes an additional position because it was the treasurer and two people was what was always happening. And so, you know, if, if the honest thing you always do is say, well, of course we're going to have the treasurer, then let's just say that and be done. So the board does ask that you um, consider voting because we can't do this without a, an amendment. So um, 
I think it provides for um, more opportunity on uh, for uh, different views and and perspectives on the budget committee, and gives people a very valuable experience. And um, so, if we had the possibility of honestly appointing three people rather than assuming one of those appointments, um, the board would appreciate that. Okay, it's a, it's a fair amount of work, um, you, you know, looking through and cre presenting a budget for an organization of this size. So, you know, an extra hand, I'm sure is great, will be greatly appreciated as well. So going on to um, our fourth proposed amendment, which is to bylaw 6D, which has to do with the appointment of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. Here again, in practice, I, I know that uh, Dan had appointed me as chair on, as I mentioned, uh, mid-September of 2021. And, and I think that the practice over the past years has been to get that committee appointed very, very soon after convention. Current language gives the president the latitude to hold off on appointing that committee until 90 days before convention. Uh, can you imagine what a disaster uh, uh, it would be if that practice were actually observed today? Um, so we are aligning the language of 6D to, uh, to be along the same lines, which is what alignment's all about, uh, 6B for constitution, uh, for resolutions that, that, that's, that committee is required to be appointed within 60 days of the convention. We're asking for that same, uh, practice to be observed in the case of, uh, constitution bylaws. Now, um, also. We have in the resolutions bylaw per the amendment passed last year, a 60 day uh, deadline for filing um, any, any um, resolutions that you wish for the committee to be considered. There is one except an, an exception where something reasonably didn't come to our attention, come to the attention of the committee. Uh, I had initially, well, we had initially set that from 60 to 30, but in light of what's happened this year, I think I want to see 60. Uh, that may seem to be overly restrictive, but I pledge to you that this, um, the way things have proceeded this year has been very much an eye opener to me. And, and I think we could be looking at some open bylaw and constitution bylaw committee meetings, even in November, no later than January, because, uh, uh, while I stand by the work that the committee did this year, um, by the time we got to public comment, it's, uh, it was a bit too late in the game. There were a variety of, of reasons for that. And I will apologize both for um, the fact that that happened. It, it's just sort of the way things evolved on one level. And I also will apologize that unfortunately, and I'm not pointing fingers here, we're relegated to only one more uh, additional meeting. I'd hope to have three. I was told that the report is uh, must be in Deb's hands by June 7. I was told that on May 25th. So uh, bye-bye um, June 8th meeting, bye-bye June 15th meeting. Those go away. No point in holding them. Uh, the thing's got to be nailed down. Whatever we go forward with, whatever we, we stake ourselves to, that's got to be basically set in stone by the beginning of next week, June 5th at the latest. Prepare the report, send it on its way. So. We're down to one final meeting. Uh, uh, again, looking at 6D, as currently constituted, a member has the right to throw something over the transom the second day of the convention. That means 
June 20th, you could actually uh, submit an amendment and, and, and ask we consider it. Uh, anybody want to guess what we're going to do with such an amendment if it if it happens this year, even though you have the constitutional right to do that, as though we even remotely have the time or the setting to give it the kind of vetting that it would require? Would deserve, yeah. Uh, yeah, not going to happen. I mean, as a practical matter, it's not going to happen. So 6D is really bringing us into alignment with things that are that are already mandatory. I don't think, knock on wood, I don't think it's going to be controversial. Uh, I, but the pledge that I make is that the Constitution and Bylaws Committee will be uh, beginning in earnest, not not in uh, early January. I would say late September, early October at the latest. I I think this year's experience has been an object lesson in the need to to really work nine, ten months out of the year. This is no longer a six month out of the year job. This is a ten month out of the year job. It really is nine at a minimum. It apps. And that's fine. That's the way of it, given everything that's at stake, given the passions that are raised by the kinds of organizational revamping that I think is required or that we at least need to grapple with. You know, uh, we darn well better be grappling with some of this stuff because the, the hybrid format is forcing. A lot more eyes, a lot more participation right and a lot more business. So, yeah, and, me, and a lot, and a lot more constraints in terms of yeah. Spoke very eloquently to where we are with the record vote. Uh, let me take the real. So let me ask um, the panelists: Do you guys have anything to add on how John has presented the amendment so far? All right. If you have a question about specific question about the amendments as John has presented them, please throw up a hand or request to speak in Clubhouse. We'll answer all general questions after everyone, but if there is a specific amendment question, we'll take one or two right now. Really, Anthony, we, there is one biggie that's coming up. So I don't know if you that's want right. to I, that's, I'm sorry. Yes, please go on. There's a biggie, and that's probably going to have a whole lot of hands. Um, <laughs> and this is a this is necessarily a package because there would have to be two constitutional amendment amendments to two constitutional sections to um, to set the stage for a new uh, bylaw ten. Okay. In a nutshell, and I want to emphasize this is not the camel's nose under the tent. We do not envision. And I would certainly oppose ever adopting this practice with respect to officers who have defined duties. Okay. But when it comes to ACB directors or elected members of the Board of Publications, they have no specific duties. Presumably, they are elected because they are considered to have skills which they bring to the organization and which the organization would be pleased to have access to. So this only applies to directors and elected BOP members. To simplify, and you need to really read the amendment, read the whole package, we're looking at an election where it's one and done. We prepare a single ballot. We put the um, number of uh, positions to be filled on the ballot. Uh, well, it, it, you, let's, let's, we got to take a concrete example. Let's say seven people want to run for the board of directors. Let's say seven people want to run. So seven people are on the ballot. They all get on the ballot. Okay, I'll, I'll address the geographical restriction in a minute. Now, it's simple with respect to the individuals. You get a ballot, say vote for no more than five. You're not gonna vote for everybody. Each individual is gonna have to decide which two they don't care to vote for. The affiliate vote get, makes it a much more challenging proposition. 
the calculus goes as follows. For the sake of simplicity, let's say you have 10 affiliate votes. You're accorded that as per bylaw two. Your affiliate vote is 10 years, which means you're between what, 238 and 263 uh, in terms of your membership count. So you times that affiliate vote count by the number of positions, um, the, the number of people to, that, that are running. Then you can't cast any more than 10 for any one candidate. But um, you, um, you, so you might cast 10 before the candidates and you might, that would give, give you 40 votes there and then you have 30 votes to play with if there's not a consensus among your affiliate. They may get scattered among the last three. I have to say that when I looked at the amendment, it said plurality. This does not necessarily mean that that this would be a plurality election as such, okay? But when you cost in how affiliate votes may be scattered, I can't pledge to you that somebody wouldn't be elected on a plurality vote, but that's not the intent, but it could happen. So I'm, I'm not gonna shirk, I'm not gonna deny. This isn't plurality, um, you know, five directors vote for no more than three, absolutely not. Uh, it's, it's not a case of that. So everyone could get in with a majority vote. They absolutely could. And there's no way to cost out how the scattering of the affiliate vote uh, might skew results so that somebody, I, I suppose, mathematically could get in with under 50%. Here again, I'm going to cite um, the constraints under which we're placed that do not effectively allow for if not interminable, uh, just an, uh, an unworkable number of runoff elections to assure that somebody gets a, uh, somebody gets a majority. Uh, we're trying to make this efficient, trying to put out one ballot. You vote the ballot, things get totaled, one and done, if, if you can pull that off. Now, what about a geographical restriction? Let's say you have candidates A through G and uh, B and D are, um, are from the same state. Well, what would happen in that case? If B gets more votes than D, since D is thereby precluded from being a candidate, D drops out and candidates E, F, and G advance by one increment, uh, which would still leave you in the example that, that, that you'd have six viable candidates in five positions. So somebody would necessarily drop off by getting the fewest number of votes. I understand it's complicated. I get it. We have spent days, hours. I wish I had a log of the amount of time that was spent on this, but we've already spoken, I think, rather eloquently, and I don't, I don't know that I want to beat it to death, but uh, having endless, I'm not saying we, we've quite hit that point yet, but endless runoffs to assure that somebody gets a... Um, uh, gets an absolute majority, particularly since these are record votes, and you've already been told how few record votes our current format allows for. Uh, I'm not sure that in a given instance, maintenance of the status quo is tenable. So yeah, it's complicated. Uh, if last Thursday's uh, Donnybrook is any indication, maybe this need, maybe this needs more vetting. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm gonna say this very strongly and, and I'm not running for any office and I'm getting cranky in my old age. I'm just not gonna pull punches. 
this organization had damn well better start grappling with these kinds of issues. In the first instance, it has been left to voting task force 3.0 and the constitution and bylaws committee to do it. And now I think it's time for the membership to do it. And I apologize that not insufficient time was left uh, to have that honored. So there I am. <laughs> so on this on this piece, I think one of the big questions is if that geographical state state situation happened, why wouldn't it go to a runoff or a reelect at that point? Because somebody is automatically dropped off based upon percentage votes. Again, I don't. Um, well, the real horror show is what about if they both got an equivalent number of votes? I think if they both got the exact same number of votes, you'd have to have a runoff. I think it have to. Um, that that would be the only thing that's fair. I mean, if the only reason why somebody, uh, yeah, if it's if yeah. it's ten percent, eight, you know, ninety percent, I think it speaks for itself. But so, mm-hmm. if, if we got forty eight, fifty one percent, that would go to a runoff. Say again. If it was in a margin of you know forty eight fifty two, um, you know, in a very small margin, that would then go to a runoff. Well, nothing goes nothing goes to a runoff now. Um, in, as as currently constituted, uh, the per, well, yeah, the person. If you got one more, if let's say Bob and Lou are from Massachusetts, and, and Bob gets one more vote than Lou, Lou's toast. You know. Maybe yeah, see, John, I think people aren't going to go for that. That's, I just think they won't. That's where the yeah, yeah, that's where a lot of the conversation yeah. is. Yeah, and I think, and I think, and I think we we are correct. I mean, what I said at, at the outset of the conversation about the fact that one of our challenges that I don't know of a way around, although I'm not going to say there's not one, I just don't know what it is yet, um, is is that we are limited depending on the length of our in-person convention. Uh, we are limited on the number of record votes we can take, but we're not limited to one. So um, we have uh, one in place for constitutional amendments. Those all happen at once. And um, resolutions, any, any record vote resolutions can be handled there as well in one time. So we don't have a a record vote for each individual resolution that requires one. They're going to all be stacked up together. Um, but for the officers um, or or for the elected elections, I should say, thinking officers, because that's what we're doing this year. Um, but for the elections, we would like to reduce the number of voting instances required if we can do so. But I think um, it, it might be a hard sell to, um, to, to sell that close a vote, especially if you had quite a few candidates in there, because uh, that could skew the vote down quite a ways. So I almost think, and I don't know, I think maybe more research is going to be required to figure it out. But um, I recognize that it might not be possible to say that it's a majority, um, but I, but I wonder if there does need to be some kind of built-in uh, margin for the fact of um, of what is going to of of what constitutes actually a being ahead. Is it one vote? And and I don't have the answer to that. But I think that that might might bear some. Some further. Well, well, that is why the other thing that's why we vet these things. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, as 
and and there's a limit to how much complexity I think the membership is prepared to deal with. I understand that too. We're, we and and I will say, you know, to the membership, the committee has really struggled with with this item and tried to figure out what it would like to propose, and um, and I think, you know, to to John's comment earlier about the fact that next year uh, we are going to do some things very differently. Uh, if I'm around, we are doing things differently but and, aside <laughs> you know so so but this is really complicated um i would say this I, is pat i would also mm -hmm. add to this that although we don't have totals over our vote history mm -hmm. i haven't seen this be a problem in the past so mm -hmm. okay so i i get the fact that we need to solve it but mm -hmm. this particular issue hasn't reared its head in the past so it's something we need to grapple with yeah and i think john i know of course we all know voting task force wise that we're not looking at officers this year this is just for board positions next year and we're not looking we're at it for next year okay i mean i i would oppose uh adopting this model for officers because they have specific defined duties now i know people have ran for president if they couldn't make that god bless charlie hodge i love him we're coming up on his anniversary in three weeks <laughs> Well, I didn't want successful for first vice. I'll try for second. Mm, okay, that didn't work. So try for secretary. Um, right. You know. Yeah, um, no, it'll I, never and, apply and just, to officers. Right, and I just it doesn't apply repeat that because although voting task force wise and the rest of us here, we get it because we've been living this for six or nine months. People who are listening to the call need to understand where it applies and where it doesn't apply, which is why more discussion is going to be needed which we will be able to get over time. All right, so Sheila, did any hands go up with specific questions about the amendments? No, sir. All right, Jane, real quick, just pop in and let us know if anyone requests to speak um, in Clubhouse. John, do you, do you have any final thoughts to wrap this all, to wrap up amendments? No, like I said, uh, uh, People should not assume that, uh, and, and, and if you're in possession of the draft report, it has draft written right on the top of it. There are five proposals that I've spoken about. People should not at all assume that they're all going to be placed before the convention uh, based on input received. The committee has the authority that none of these proposed amendments or packages thereof are convention business. They have not been placed before the convention. So the committee, at the suggestion of uh, individuals within this organization or on its own initiative uh, may elect to pull some of these and they will not come to the convention because it is deemed by, uh, the, con uh, by the voting task force or the Constitution Bylaws Committee that they need further vetting. That's, that's entirely possible. I'm certainly not being hard-nosed and saying, we spend hours on this, I'm pushing them forward no matter what. I'm certainly not taking that stupid a position because uh, if they get voted, if, if they get voted down with a vengeance, then it's really bad form to bring them back next year. And maybe this overall process is going to have to play out over more years than I think this organization may have. But I don't know. Uh, it, it maybe it needs to gel more. I'm not uh, inured to that thing. I'm not resistant to that thinking. 
So we're going to stay tuned and see what eventually ends up coming before the convention. Um, thank you so much for breaking this down in relatively easy to understand terms. Are you keep in mind? You, I didn't mean to interrupt Anthony, although I did. Sorry for that. But we do have one last meeting of the open meeting of the Common Bylaws Committee this Thursday, Thursday. at 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay, it'll be on the. Uh, it's on. Uh, the community call list. Uh, I have to get it out on leadership today. I'm Ray has been my designee to get it out on presidents. I'm no longer an affiliate president, don't have credentials there. And just on principle with all that's on my plate, I'm not on con the conversation list. I, I'm not going to go on there simply to, to disseminate this. But um, And people who want the draft uh, report of common bylaws are welcome to request it from me at John, J-O-H-N, at jamsite.net, J-A-M as in Michael, my initials, John Anthony McCann's is J-A-M-S-I-T-E.net. Just think of website, but it's jamsite. And uh, send, me, uh, send me a request. I'll attach a file, zip, easy does it. You'll, you'll see what's out there currently. Okay, Anthony, you do have a hand. Hi, yes, I heard Jane's hand go up. Mm -hmm. Jane, quickly, please. Jane, you can unmute. Jane, you might have to grab that, got it. It, right, says, it says I'm unmuted. You yeah. are. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. So you answered my question just now as to where can I get a copy of it? I was not able to be here right off the bat. So thank you very much, John. And I'm glad you think that some trying to force things would be a stupid position. I think we need to send all our political parties that same message. So thank you for your example. Thank you. Thank you. For sure. We want to get it right. That, that's why we I, have open meetings. We, I, we would have had more of them if, if, if things had evolved differently. And we sure as hell will have more of them in 2022-23. That's, that's definitely my pledge should I be reappointed to the uh, Common Bylaws Committee. And even if I'm not, I think devil mandate. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, John, you can stick around for a little while when we get to questions. Yeah, sure. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Let's segue over to a brief overview on voting. Um, the information has been put all over the place and there are community calls that you can listen to. But we're going to do a brief overview with Pat and Connie. I Thanks, heard Pat. Anthony. There we go. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let um, Pat start a little bit and then I can follow up. All right. Thank you, Connie. First of all, uh, just like to say thanks for the all the work that the voting task force has done comprises here of you know the voting system which is i think the easiest of the three resolutions and then of course constitutional bylaws which i i believe constitutional bylaws really had the hardest job this year voting system is uh, very much going to be um as we have uh known it to be in the past uh we will be using vote now as the uh software system that we will be using uh, we will be getting uh, a unique uh, ballot, uh, a unique ballot code um, from uh, Minneapolis. Oh, I mean, now. vote now. Yeah, thank you. Vote now. And that should arrive when, Connie? Is it the 12th so, of June? So the, the ones who have email addresses that we have, um, that will go out approximately on June 12th. Mm -hmm. And the subject line will be um, ballot ACB unique voter code. 
and the from person will be ACB ballot code. Um, what is different this year is that the Minneapolis office will be sending out um, a letter in large print and in Braille uh, right around May 24th. And those letters will go out to all our members who do not have, that we do not have an email for. Um, and what is different this year is that we've sent out um, then a unique voter code to all of the members who don't have an email. So this year we're doing that differently because um, we only had like four people and it's a cost of like $6,000 to do that um, because vote, vote Now sends it out. So we are um, having our non-email members who receive a letter to call into the Minneapolis office and they have until June 9th, um, basically June 19th to do that and request that they want a unique voter code. And then vote now will send out a unique voter code <laughs> to them. And, mm -hmm. So that, that's a little bit different this year than what we did last year. So I I'll think it'll help using. us. Yeah, help us to save some money. And the voting system, of course, will support exactly what we've had over the last uh, two years. Uh, um, I, I usually do my vote on the PC. It's very easy, clicking on the link, and there I get the ballot, hit my uh, choices, hit submit, and I'm, and I'm done. We also, it also will be available on iOS, Android, uh, telephone access, and um, we will actually have a a mock election uh, before the um, that Monday afternoon, uh, so we can make sure that everything is working as we expect it to. Uh, and we will also have a t uh, precinct at convention if individuals uh, need assistance in voting. So we want to make sure that whoever needs assistance in whatever way they get it. There, of course, be telephone uh, telephone uh, assistance if you need it through uh, Vote Now. And so we're, we're trying to cover the same basis. Um, we, we think that the system has worked extremely well uh, in the past and uh, been, been very reliable. The telephone access, I think, has gotten better over the years. Uh, and uh, we will see how it works this year. So very much the same as we have done in the past. Your voting code, your unique ballot code, uh, uh, is used throughout the week for all the elections, whether it's officers, Constitution and bylaws, uh, resolutions, same unique voter code. <clears throat> you don't have to use vote the same way. You can be voting uh, from your telephone at one point, uh, your PC or iOS or whatever device you use. And so you have a choice. But that code, just keep it for that week, uh, and uh, we should be good to go. So not many not many changes as far as the software is concerned. And right, we so have the, good relationships. The key dates to now. know are June 12th. Um, mm -hmm. We would be receive via email. Those who do not, by June 19th, they need to have contacted the Minnesota, the Minnesota office. Right. right. Exactly. If you haven't received your voter code on June 13th and you've checked your spam and junk folders and it's not there, what would you do? And I would contact the Minneapolis office. Exactly um, right. And then, all right. So no run on Connie's, uh, no run on Connie's email or text messages. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. She'll do a bulk and, shift over to Minneapolis. Yeah. So, and hopefully, you know, and, and again, that's why we have what the, what the, who it's from and the title. So people know what to look for. So if it does go happen to go into their spam or junk or something, um, we wanted to have something that everyone knew ahead of time. And that's what mm -hmm. we had it titled last year. So I we purposely asked for it again this year. And kudos to Minneapolis this year, along with everything else that they had to do to sending out those uh, letters to individuals saying, hey, if you want to vote, uh, this is what you need to do. You're, you're shifting really the responsibility back to the individual to say, yes, I want to vote this year. And they have to put a little bit of effort into getting that uh, unique voter code. And that's fine. Awesome. So um, any final voting thoughts before I move on to resolutions? And we'll take questions, yeah. of course, all together when we're done with resolutions. Go ahead, Connie. So we can do dates right now with voting or we can follow that up after we do resolutions. And then there's another thing that we've been working on. Um, so Deb is involved in Jeff and, and Pat and I in the Minneapolis office. We're doing, we have some parliamentary 101 definitions to help um, clarify some, hopefully, what is a point of order and, or what is yeah point of information yeah call for yeah. etc yeah right. and also so can, one other point connie on that too standing rules and jeff has really done a good job of explaining that in the past what are standing rules why do we have them what's different this year than last year sort of following john's point with respect to why we've shifted them around added a few different wrinkles to them so that uh, i think as we as we all understand here you're right. Three weeks was a long convention last year. We want to try to streamline it. And the, the other thing that I will just say to you know everyone that will listen to this uh, as, either as today or as a podcast, we've gotten some real good suggestions from lots of groups, presidents, some of the uh, some of the uh, calls that we have been on uh, with individual groups. Uh, they come up with things thinking outside the box. So this is the product that we're putting together right now, I think, is uh, a good product. Uh, it's getting better the more people come up with, hey, did you think about this? Did you think about that? Did you think about the other? Uh, the answer would be no, not all the time. So we're getting a better product because of particularly what voting task force and they, those groups have done, but actually from the questions that we're getting from the other groups, because we're so close to it, sometimes we don't think of all the contingencies. So that keeps us on our toes. Yeah. You know, and then we have, you know, we can have Jeff who has done an amazing job with the standing rules that the board approved. You know, there's one thing that we've changed in the standing rules that are really important um, to hopefully help from some of the issues we had last year. And then, you know, the other thing is that we have a lot of Spanish speaking, you know, and we're trying to really immerse that. So, um, you know, the Spanish language transition will be available on the Zoom and ACB media during the ACB business meetings, including the events on June 19th through the 23rd, and then the convention general session from July 1st to the 6th. All ballots will be just in English only. Um, we've talked about that, but they will only be in, but we're trying to incorporate all of that. So, and that's, you know, there's a, there's probably more that we can add. Um, Deb, do you, I know you came unmuted. Do you have any comments? 
No, I think you've, I think you've really got it. Um, I, I guess, you know, one of the things that I, people were interested in everyone having the item with the points of order and different things, you know, the instructions, you know, I, when I read that myself, I actually said, God, I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, I think the important thing to understand in that the sort of the bottom line there is, is the difference between when we're taking debate and when we're taking other things. And right. it's kind of our job moderating to uh, to let you know if the thing you're trying to do can't be done right now and to let you know when it can or if it can and and to just sort of work through that um, rather than, oh, my God, am I asking for this? Am I asking for that? It's just I, I think that's too hard for people. It's too hard for me when I'm in the audience. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to judge anybody else's receptivity to hard, but I can sure tell you about my own. And, um, and so I think, you know, we just want to have a little bit less confusion about the sort of the difference between the kinds of things you can do uh, while you're in the parliamentary process. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes we we start with our question and then we want to move right to our opinion and we're going to gong you off if you do that because that's probably not when you can so <laughs> it's not really to try to be difficult it's to try to make sure that we give um parties the opportunity to get information that they need um and and make the points they wish to make but not take undue advantage of those opportunities. So I think that's true. But really, otherwise, um, I, I'm looking forward to um, our process this year. And this is the perfect opportunity to to highlight the fact that people are going to speak out of turn, not knowing no one's going to get yelled at, no one's going to be shamed, sure. no one's going to be made to feel bad about it, but they will be directed yeah. when the proper time is and business will move on because in the interest of getting the business done, it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And there are some real challenges with using Zoom for this. I mean, there were challenges. I think there were more challenges with the hybrid version. So this is one of the reasons we uh, went to the Zoom only discuss, you know, debate piece is that it was very unequitable and everybody assured us it was not good. And so we're trying it this way because in those days, post the in-person convention after the convention when we met to finish the resolutions that part actually went pretty smoothly but it's still very difficult when you're waiting in order and uh waiting to be called on and you know bypassing you and there's this big desire to be able to just yell out what you want to say um but we we need to manage that for lots of reasons so um it it, it is a challenge and um, over time, I hope we can find some uh, better ways, but there may not be better ways for some of this. Exactly. You know, and, and I think Jeff has done a really nice job. You know, when we did, you know, we've done a couple parliamentary stuff, um, write-ups, you know, and he's done some, you know, pretty simple examples, you know, I think to compare. I mean, so yeah, it gets, it gets confusing and it, it, we're just trying to make it easy for everyone as much as we can, you know, so there's, probably more that we can talk about a little bit, but those are some of the things that we can still yet discuss, but I didn't know which part of the session you want that yet, Anthony. So 
So I'm I'm actually going to reverse the order um, and ask Jeff if he could highlight um, some of the changes to the standing rules. Sure. Um, and, and really, there's one that's really major. There's some smaller ones, but uh, the most important proposed change this year. And well, then before I before I summarize that, um, Dan last year as our president had to do an incredible job just to keep the chaos from completely overrunning us. And, yeah. and he did it on amazing things on the fly last year, as many people have pointed out. And one of the things that people were really concerned about was all the time that was expended on questions and people who are a little unsure of what they were voting on and what they were doing and, you know, how did they, you know, seek the floor and all of this. So what we have done is propose this year that before debate starts, there will be a five-minute period where people can raise questions. They're, they can be called by different things. They can be called, you know, point of information or point of clarification, but whatever you want to call it, it's that's the time where if you have a resolution that's come to the floor, that's a time where you should have your questions ready to ask, you know, what does it say? What does it mean? You know, you know, what, you know, what is the motion about? Whatever your question might be. After that five minute period, um, Technically speaking, under Robert's rules, you can't prohibit someone from asking a question if they have one. But we're really trying to limit all of our questions to that period. So we urge you to take advantage of, you know, and, you know, Deb will probably talk to you a little more about this effort in, in a while, but try and look at the resolutions ahead of time. If you don't understand it, you know, contact one of us. We'll happy to explain it ahead of time, whatever. Um, but ask, be, be ready with your questions, because then after that five minute period, or if there's no questions, we won't go for the five minutes. Then there'll be a, the regular twenty minute debate period, and we're going to recognize people who have <coughs> who want to debate on one side or the other. Um, we've also um, put in the rules something that we ultimately started doing last year, and that is if there are if if there are two speakers, let's say for the resolution, and then three speakers are against it, and we don't have any more speakers speaking that want to speak for the resolution, debate will cease because otherwise. <laughs> It gets unmanageable. And, yeah. and we are, of course, under time constraints. So that's another proposal. Um, otherwise, the debate will go on for 20 minutes. Um, the uh, At that point, we will either end debate or, uh, as we've always done, the body can vote to extend debate for another period of time. Um, and occasionally this will happen. Those are the... the uh, those are the main um, changes. The chair will actually be required to stop debate um, if it 
if there are no more speakers or if it gets to the point where you know one side has had more than the other and there are no more people seeking the floor the one other small thing that we are doing this year or proposing to do i should say is um if a you know and, and these will all be zoom votes of course because they will be doing them in the remote portion of the convention on a resolution um if there are fewer than 25 people on the losing side the chair will not ask um for a roll call if there's enough people for a roll call vote because there aren't enough people who voted that way to get a roll call and because a vote is exact since it's a zoom vote we we have exact totals we're going to know whether that 25 number has been uh reached or exceeded and those are basically the proposed uh rules you will be voting on the rules the first evening of convention so you'll Virtual. have time to ask uh, questions and even uh make changes or uh, propose changes if you'd like so that's that's my summary of the rule changes so I have a couple of questions um you know if you and Deb could speak to and Sunday edition is not afraid to ride the you know elephant in the middle of the room um for those of of us that do our due diligence that you know attend meetings that listen to the loop that you know take the time to to make sure that we have the information so we know what we're what we're listening to what we're voting what's being debated um can you can you speak to all the avenues of information out there so that we can try to avoid um you know needing needing much in those five minutes before the resolutions come to the floor and will the resolutions be re-put out the evening before so you can be able to refresh your memory um to the various acp lists the more the evening before general session those are my two questions I'll defer to our co-chair of resolutions, Deb. Anthony, I expect <laughs> we'll be able to recite the resolutions from memory by the time we get to the <laughs> meeting. And we may call on you to do so, just to prove my point. So here's, here's how we have managed the resolutions this year. And we have not quite done that for constitution and bylaws. And I guess on, on one level, I am going to personally and publicly apologize for that because I'm now the president, but I ran into too much, um, too much little time. <laughs> I only came to this office in March and um, constitution and bylaws was well underway. Resolutions wasn't really well underway. And so it, it was a different process and I, um, we will have them both working this way, closer to this way next year whoever your president is, because I'm going to lean on him really hard to do this. So um, so what we did for resolutions already, and then what we will do. So um, we basically took the resolutions that we had. We had 15. We acquired an additional one, which made 16. So I can do the math. Um, we had them, and we assigned them each to a date for discussion we were meeting twice a week for the for the discussion and debate on the resolutions um and keep in mind this is informal debate this isn't the conventions debate 
we didn't limit it to 20 minutes at all. Um, so uh, <laughs> it, it uh, took us two and a half hours each time to do three. Now, I find that really fascinating, by the way, that it's going to take you exactly the total time, no matter how many resolutions you have and how complicated or not complicated they are. And Jeff, did you notice that the first one always took the longest? So yep. that, that was big learning for me, and I remember for next year. All right. So, um, so what we did for this was we, first of all, set a schedule. And so having them uh, reviewed on a very definite schedule uh, would help you come and hear about the ones that you were most concerned with that you either wanted to support or, um, or disrespect or just learn about. And uh, we had really good turnout uh, at most of the meetings, by the way, I was really impressed. But what we also did was we sent out a notice of those meetings um, in advance, usually uh, 24 to 48 hours, depending on my schedule to get the notices out, but we tried to get them out in advance. We sent the resolved clauses to each resolution in that notice. We didn't send all the whereases. Uh, they're important, but the bottom line is what is the resolution asking us mm -hmm. to do? So we sent the resolved clauses as drafted, which meant they might change a lot. Um, but In discussion, yeah, just yeah, just so just so you know what got sent out, uh, where we'd be starting from, we sent those out for your consideration. And those were included in that email, along with all the zoom coordinates for joining us. So we sent them for each session that we did and we discussed exactly those resolutions so had we ever ended early we were not going to start on another uh resolution um and and had we gone late we did have the proviso that if something wasn't finished it could be scheduled again but we were able to do it now that those have been uh completed um that that process has been completed uh the next piece of this is that i will be um, prepping them for the bigger distributions so they are being sent off to be recorded in spanish they are being recorded in english so the audio versions of them will be available so those will be running on acb media when they become available and we will let you know when that is and they will be assigned to a particular night. So some of the meetings may be longer or shorter when we actually meet, but we are going to work on particular resolutions at particular time. And then um, we will uh, put them online and we will also redistribute them to the email lists as we did before, um, but this time in a package that uh, makes them easy to uh, locate each one and, and identify their day of discussion and do all of that. As to whether we send it all out again the night before, uh, we may not do it that way. We will probably though, we will have sent them out um, in about a week before, so they won't get too far you down can flag in your or email. Or, yeah. yeah, you know, so we will not send them out so far away that you lose them, but we will not send them out so last minute that you can't read them. And remember, you've seen at least the intent of all of them uh, previously, if you've read the emails. Um, we've had very good feedback about how this has gone and that people have appreciated the emails and appreciated knowing which which ones were happening which nights 
and um, and how that how that would work. So we actually plan to follow that same thing through for the resolutions um, on that. Now for the Constitution and bylaw amendments, once the committee is settled on what they are bringing forward, then they will also get that treatment now, which is that they will be sent off for the various uh, translation and reading out loud and what having you, and then they will also be distributed along with the resolutions when the final distribution does occur. So people will have the text, they will have everything um, in that process uh, ready ready for themselves. So that should work out. The standing rules actually um, are part of the program. And as soon as the full program is, um, is put out, then you will have the standing rules in, for review because the proposed standing rules are always part of the physical convention program. The resolution and bylaw amendments are not part of the uh, official program. So, I mean, the acting on them is, but the text of them is not. But the standing rules, proposed standing rules, uh, which will be adopted on the first night of convention on um, the 19th, those are a part of part of the convention program and that's where you'll find those and they will also be uh, available in the Spanish version and they'll be undoubtedly I I believe the plan is that they will also be read on on the ACB media channel so when that stuff is all ready to go we'll be letting you know that it is but that's why everybody's getting such early cutoff dates is because of all this logistic on the back end to really make sure that we Put it all together yeah we got a lot of criticism and fairly so last year for the fact that we weren't able to get all these things delivered out in a in a good way um in time and it's just because the volume of work that it is i have to tell you it, it's you know when i'm looking for a co-chair for resolutions next year i have a really good idea what they need to do here and um it's it's quite a volume of work so and we um, had about a third less this year than last year yes exactly so yes if we, i mean many years we've had many more um so um uh, i'm appreciative that uh, our resolutions are pretty on target for the most part Part and 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 fewer. Um, I I don't think more is necessarily better. Um, and so, um, but yes, it, depending on the number you have, the volume of that uh, traffic and work can be pretty substantial. So, um, but that's what it takes to actually get this out in time for the members to be fully informed. And so, Sunday edition. Mm -hmm. One quick thing, if I could. I'm surprised yeah, sure. that hasn't jumped on me. <laughs> um, and this is not a change, but if you have a point of order, and basically a point of order is you think that a rule has been violated, one of our parliamentary rules, you're still going to be able to raise that during debate. And the point of order will be ruled upon by the chair, and the body can even overrule the chair if they, if they want to. I've seldom seen it happen, but it, but it can happen. Um, but that and, and the debate period will stop during the ruling on that point of order. So that 20 minute period will start again when the point of order is dispensed with. So that's all. All right. So Sunday edition offers the opportunity to if a person can't be here in person to send in question or comment via email. And Eddie suggests that when the resolutions are placed in the ACB media loop, 
uh, that you present, and I know this is a radio term, that you present a bumper with um, the email for people that have questions when they're hearing it, the dedicated person for them to go to, to have pieces of the specific resolution explained. Is that something you might be able to do this year? I think we can definitely do that. Um, we'll probably, we'll, we'll figure out how we want to handle that, but I do think it's fine for people to ask questions. I think the resolutions themselves are actually pretty, pretty straightforward. I mean, whether you agree with the resolution or not, it's certainly going to be your, your prerogative and, and option. Um, but, but I think that we really made a, a tremendous effort. The committee worked really hard at trying to, um, use common words, uh, trying to toss out as much sort of lingo and vernacular stuff as we possibly could. Um, and if we did, to make sure that it was all written out the first time so you knew what we were talking yeah. about later. So I think that people will find them uh, pretty readable. Um, and um, and I hope so. And and we'll I know we'll welcome feedback on that. But I think... Um, um, to the extent we can, we we tried to really make them because if, if you don't understand it, you're not going to be able to vote well on it. And um, I want you to vote. If you're a member of this organization, you, um, I believe, have the obligation to vote, not just the opportunity, but more like the obligation. You you need to engage. So if answering a question will help you do that, uh, I know we're here to do that. And so just before, remember, uh, uh, making a resolution concise is what we all want. But there are times when ex a resolution has to explain a problem and a solution. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's just really hard to do it. <laughs> to fit it in a paragraph. Relatively mm -hmm. few number of words. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 And so, we do have a couple of them. But I think most yeah. of them are pretty straightforward. I do, too. So we're going to open, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to open the floor to questions in a few minutes. And we decided not to, get, not to go through the resolutions one by one, but um, having, oh, Jeff good. Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> having Jeff and Deb here are a good thing because they can answer pretty much anything on, you know, all of the resolutions. But are, is there anything that you want to kind of point out before we go to questions? Are there any resolutions that you think might need a little bit of clarification or that you particularly want folks to look towards? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think um, they were all very sincerely submitted. Um, some of them met with some controversy in our committee and were pretty lively. Um, many of them were pretty straightforward. It was like, well, yeah, of course we would do this even without a resolution. And I guess that's one of the things that, that I would just say in general is that um, if, if it's something that we would do, whether we have a resolution or not, based on our previous history, then it, yeah, I'm okay that there's a resolution for it, but we may not really need it. Um, and so I think that's, that's important. Um, and and I think the other thing that's kind of significant is that, um, it, you know, I think there's a difference between, we have a couple, there are a couple of resolutions, one or two, um, that may just, maybe just one, I can't remember now without looking, um, but 
But I think resolutions that are directed at the organization don't necessarily make good resolutions. And I know some people disagree with me because they think that's the member-driven aspect of the organization. But I think that um, those same topics um, would would work just as well to to try to negotiate uh, with whoever it is rather than try to direct it via resolution. Um, I, I always used to say to my state affiliate, if we want the president to have green hair, a resolution isn't the best way to go about making that happen. It might be better to <laughs> just put the person in a dunk tank or something and <laughs> diet. But seriously, it might be better to just um, to try to work that through um, through the board, through the committees, through the places that there are, because that stuff is is more internal. And I, I think the real intent of resolutions is to drive our external philosophy and drive um, our our sort of politic and our statement um, out to that to people who uh, are impacted by us. And so um, that's at least my own personal view of the best way to use resolutions. And we have a number of resolutions that do that really well um, this year. And some of them are things we would probably do anyway. And so I would have sort of argued that we don't need a resolution for it. But um, members feel better about having it as 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 a statement, and others are ones that we maybe haven't stated yet or haven't been as clear about and want to be. So um, I, I think that it's a, a good mix of of resolutions. And I, you know, I love for the second year in a row we will have all of that information available in Spanish. Stay tuned to all of the lists, and of course, you know, we'll uh, throw it out here on Sunday edition as soon as that is recorded and up and running. I'm sure that they'll both go out at the same time or close to the same time, so nobody feels <laughs> left waiting. Um, I want to offer John, Connie, and Pat the opportunity if there's anything that you feel like you weren't able to have said yet before we go to questions. All right. Then, I, I just, I did, Anthony, ahead, Connie. Connie. I just, I, I think we really covered pretty much everything, but I do want to add, say that Arliss Bazin had reached out to me as being chair of the membership um, and membership just kind of wanted, this isn't really part of voting, but it has to do with membership and getting people to know, but on June 24th from 5.30 to 6.45 is the keys to the convention by Zoom. And she just wants to make sure that, especially the new members know about that and any member, but she will have documents that she can email out to people or they'll actually have one in person also and she'll be able to have some handouts. So some information about you know voting membership benefits too. ACB, um, but she asked if we could just, you know, try to promote that a little bit. So I wanted to make sure I shopped that up for her. And the only other thing that I would add is that if anybody wants members of the voting task force to meet with them on a chapter, state, affiliate, one-on-one, -on -one, get in touch with Connie. She's uh, corralling all of us here and we're happy to answer questions. We want to make this as easy as possible, transparent and do our best to explain all of this. So thanks. Absolutely. These folks came to Florida and did a great job giving us all the information we needed. So bother them. Make them work. We will. <laughs> so Deb, we, we have a, a, actually an updated cheat sheet um, that has been updated. We'll be having a final one that Kelly will be sending out um, 
Do you know, Kel, for sure, Deb, yet what date that's going to be? Well, I, th I saw from Nancy what I understood to be the final one. Um, so I um, have, she I has have two. Yeah. So, so, uh, so we, um, so we probably need to just figure out, find, figure that out and find out. I know there's a schedule that Kelly is working on for all of the different document dissemination. And so I might actually know this if I look at it, <laughs> I'm not looking at it. Um, but I put, you, well, I put you on the spot. <laughs> that's right. I don't I know. Don't. Sometimes, see, I just want everybody to know there's a lot I don't know. Yeah, it should be something I can look up. But I think some of the was not, I think some of the dates were a little bit fuzzy. So let me let me follow back up on that. It's all coming. Um, I think part of it is we're waiting to have some of this translated and the translation contract has actually just gotten in place. So I think, I think that's probably actually the answer. Right. I know that so in we the next week or that. so. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that we, everything was final. I got the final one. You know, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. But we, we aren't set. We aren't sharing that yet. So, so as I looking at some notes here, uh, trying to punt quickly. Um, it appears that they are going to send everything off for translation on the 5th with having it back um, in about a week. So I would say somewhere between the 12th and the 15th, all that will go up. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, culling your notes for that information. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> does for no, no, that's all right. That's all right. That's what search does for you. All right, John, Pat, any other final thoughts? And then we will, Sheila, if you can bump Gabe up to the top of the list, that would be great when we go to questions. Yeah. Maria's oh, Maria's in. Okay. So let's take our first hand, Sheila. I don't have any. Wow. They did such a good job. There are no questions. Anybody in Clubhouse? Jane doesn't have her hand raised. All right. Hmm. Well, we're going to have to vamp, folks. <laughs> Jeff, is there a resolution that you feel um, is really meritable that you, re you want to shout out? Well, I guess I, as past president of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, I am going to have to give uh, a shout out for a couple of resolutions. Uh, one, um, for the first time in, I don't know when really, the Biden administration's budget actually contained a $5 million increase in funding for the older individuals who are blind. I'm not saying it right, but it, the, the, that, that program, yeah, that every, in, the, in, in that, in their budget. Now, it is not likely that that budget request is going to make it through, I don't suspect, uh, just because of all that's going on with respect to capping spending. But the fact that we have a budget that contains that request in it um, is something that I am hoping we will strongly advocate for. And we have a resolution um, commending the Biden administration for putting it in the budget uh, and seeking to advocate. The other thing that we have in, in, in the sort of senior space 
is um, one of the areas for which uh, we get very little money in terms of services for people who are blind or vision impaired, other than generic services for all seniors, is through the Older Americans Act. And there is a lot of money out there. Um, but what you have to do to get significant sums is to provide that vision loss is a purpose uh, within the Older Americans Act, and that is not in there. So there is actually a draft of potential amendments, like hundreds of them from what I understand. Uh, I've never read it. Um, uh, to amend the Older Americans Act to put vision loss as one of the purposes for which funds can be used by by area agencies on aging. And every locality in this country has an area agency on aging that serves your locality. Some have one in the state, some have, you know, you know, many, many. Uh, L.A. County, for example, has two. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's L.A. Uh, so, you know. We we have a resolution to seek amendments to the Older Americans Act, which will be up for reauthorization next year in 2024. So, you know, from our senior advocacy uh, uh, arena, that's those are two resolutions that I am hoping that this organization will pass. I hear hands going up, Anthony. Mm -hmm. I do. I hear hands going up, but I also received a text message at the same time. Could you briefly explain, Jeff, Deb, anyone who cares to, to jump up on this, how resolutions that are passed at the state level get recognized at the national level? They just well, mail them in. Yeah, very easy. <laughs> California does yeah. it every year. Every yeah, California year. does most of it, yes. Um, yeah, well, Florida if, does if, a fair amount, too. If California drops off the system, we won't have any resolutions. No, uh, it's not quite <laughs> like that. But uh, seriously, it's what I would say is helpful. I mean, you can just simply send in a resolution that you believe should be covered at the national level. It's actually helpful if you will do a little bit of work with it to to tell us what you'd like to see actually happen at the national level, if that's not really clear, because some of the state-specific resolutions that we do receive um, are actually very good and may be of a national level, but they may have so much state-specific jargon in Language them and, yeah. that it may be a little bit difficult to determine that. So if you would take a few minutes before you send that in, and, and rather than just kind of uh, sending it in, um, you know, that's, and, and I don't encourage you to send in all the resolutions you pass in your state. I mean, prioritize ones that you think, um, are, are issues that we could make a difference on at the national level. We can provide all kinds of assistance to states without there being a resolution attached to it. So if you're having a particular challenge in your state and you need some advocacy assistance around that issue, you can talk to our advocacy committee and, and uh, the advocacy uh, in our um, national office to, to see whether someone can assist you, whether that's in writing a letter or crafting how you're going to talk to people or helping you um, make the connections you need. And um, so if it's really an issue in your state, 
pertinent to your state, that might be the best place to really take it and, and work it. But if you feel that it might have national significance and that there's a national piece that we can do um, or should be doing, then you can just simply send it send it in to, re to resolutions people um, either to the uh, either directly to the chair which right now is Gabe Griffith or to um, advocacy um, at acb.org and um, and make sure that it's noted that it's for the resolutions committee and it can be considered and Thank I will you. tell you, Deb, we have one that we are voting on next Sunday at our convention that is mm -hmm. a very national concern. So um, mm -hmm. once the convention uh, is concluded next Sunday, it will be sent to the resolutions committee and we strongly encourage it be addressed at national. So I'm hoping and praying it will because it is extremely important. So I'm just giving you a heads up on that. So one. if it, because of, because it is so close, um, that may or may not be a possibility easily. And so what we might be recommending is other action that we can take. I think one of the things people don't realize all the time is that advocacy at ACB is all year round and doesn't have to wait for a resolution season. Mm -hmm. So if it's an important national issue. Um, it doesn't mean that we can't act on it, even if we don't take a resolution. So we'll, well have to see not my, I'm, how I'm not chair. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And all I'm saying, all I'm saying is, is, is don't assume that if we don't, that it doesn't mean we can't work at it and, and on it. Um, because we, you know, we can accept things late, but we have to be able to process them through. Right. And we absolutely have our deadline for putting everything out, right. which is monday so right. um what? my suggestion is that if you actually can send it to me now um that might help even though you haven't adopted it yet okay what we right. did for example our... oh i'm sorry Jeff. Go ahead. No, that's okay what what i yeah. did with the, the two resolutions that i just mentioned um i had them go through resolutions committee before the alliance on aging and vision loss actually mm -hmm. endorsed them and we just said, okay, right. if we don't endorse them, we'll take our name out of there. Right. Um, yeah, that was the yeah. way I got around it. Well, we just had yes, that would be a great way to do it. So yeah, we, we right. But even that would have given us enough time. So right. that's really good. That's good advice, Jeff, and something for us to mention for people for, for next, next year, year because yeah, um, because if we had that last week, it would be a lot easier to have worked with it than it is this week. And right. if Florida didn't adopt it, we could either still decide it's good and adopt it, or we could withdraw it. You know, because Florida chose not to act on it. Um, I, I will share it with the chair. But go ahead and share it with the okay. chair so that we so that we have it and then we can see whether we can do something. And then, like I said, if we don't take it in that way, we can perhaps take it in some other ways. But I'd send it now because okay. that makes it easier for us. Okay. 
So All I right. will send a thank you out to the person from Kentucky. I don't have your number saved, so I don't know who you are, but thank you so much for that great question. Mm-hmm. We got uh, some important information that we might not have thought about on Sunday edition without it. So thank you, Kentucky. Um, let's hear from Maria Christic real quick, who is giving us some information on the IRC contest. Thank you so much, Anthony, for the invite to uh, be here. So I am the chair of ACB's International Relations Committee, and we are running, this is our second year doing this, our International Voices Contest. And the thought behind this was to give those who are living in countries outside Side of the U.S. exposure to not only ACB and what we do, but sharing of information and potentially some inspiration and motivation and tips, tools, information that they can possibly take back and use uh, in their own countries. And so what we're doing is offering free virtual registration and attendance to our convention. And in order to be uh, eligible, as I said, uh, the main eligibility criteria is that uh, the person lives outside of the U.S. or its territories. Uh, And we uh, will be, uh, for the so, uh, first place winner who is selected, uh, the, the top uh, three will receive the free virtual attendance, but the person who receives the, the top uh, first place will also be able to address the general session via uh, and a pre-recorded video interview that I will uh, conduct with them. I'm sure you can appreciate just with the time zone difference and such, it's just uh, much easier to do it, uh, you know, as a pre-recorded. Uh, but I do think that's still, you know, very effective. You can actually go on uh, the American Council of the Blind's YouTube channel and view uh, as a separate video uh, last year's Voices uh, presentation. So um, in what what to do <laughs> in order to enter into the contest, um, it's very simple. Uh, it's you have to submit a, a video, uh, an audio, excuse me, an audio recording of up to 10 minutes in length talking about your blindness related experiences in your country, um, your message to the blindness community in the U.S. and why you wish to attend the convention. And uh, those entries are being accepted up until the 9th of June. And you can send those to me if you're interested at ACB International Committee at gmail.com again that is acb international committee at gmail.com and we should be announcing our decisions by june 16th so if you're listening to this and thinking of applying we would invite you to send us an audio recording and we look forward to hearing your voice no dashes dots or anything it's all one word it is all one word acb international committee at gmail.com So for those of us that have friends in the community that are Zooming in from around the world, we know who they are. Um, Let's ask them to put this information out in their various networks as well. Thank you, Maria, so much for popping in and letting us know about that. Thank you so much for the invite. You're welcome. All right, Sheila, let's start taking those hands. Who's up first? Greg. Okay. Well, hello. Um, Hey, Triple G, welcome back. So thank you. Thank you. Glad to be back. Um, so, um, yes, um, my question, I, I've got two things. First of all, um, anyone off list, um, if you have that, uh, cheat sheet that was sent out to presidents or off the show, 
um, could you just, um, can I get in contact with you? Um, or can I know who to contact because for the voting um, thing? Because, yeah, I would like to send that out to my affiliate um, for the cheat sheet for the voting and things like that. The second thing is when you talk about the people on the phone. Now, I know that ACB has a lot of people that call in, both from when I've done the phone banking for community Athon and for um, just, you know, convention and things like that, and um, other times. Okay, I'm so very, very concerned about this, that we get the, this information out to the people on the phone, you know, who are on the phone as quickly as as we can so that they know that they have between June 12th and June 18th um, to, you know, to, to basically get their voting code and vote. I know that we don't like to handhold in this organization, but I'm also very concerned. I, I think one of the issues we sometimes have in, in, you know, this organization is, um, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying. Greg, I'm going to ask you to kind of get to your part, you know, your next primary point. Okay. Okay. So I would like to see, um, I would like to see a, um, a concerted effort either to, you know, just send, send the information to community so that community, you know, the, um, ACB community morning call can, uh, can talk about it or something like that. So, um, so yes. yes. You know, Greg, it does. Um, I, I don't know about the full cheat sheet, but um, the daily schedule has had reminders for the resolutions calls. It has had um, information. So I, I do think the information goes to community. Um, that would be more of a Cindy thing to make sure um, maybe the morning calls, you could send a email to community itself, but Connie, Deb, um, any other uh, thoughts so the, or responses? So on the, on the cheat sheet, um, you know, one has been sent out and it's pretty thorough, but that goes out to all the lists. It goes out to constant contact. Um, and I agree that, you know, the sooner we can get it out, the better we can have everything. Um, and that's what we've tried to do. But, you know, we we understand that we need to have it in Spanish as also as soon as soon as possible but i know that we were working on the contract but hopefully we can we can get it out um even if we can work maybe you know deb and i can talk or whatever we maybe we can try to get some of it out with the english part you know until sooner but it does go all out um on constant contact um the president's uh convention the leadership conversation all of that stuff goes out Yes, it'll all be that. all out in plenty of time. It'll all be going out during the week of the 12th. And it will be going to every possible way and place that there is. The other thing that Greg asked about is the is the, the bit about the voting and whether yeah. people would know to get their code. Everyone who does not have email has been sent a document in 
their preferred format. So whether that's Braille or large print or whatever they're getting, everyone has been sent something letting them know that if they want to vote and they don't have email, that they need to contact the office and let them know that. So everyone will have received one. Um, I think that um, it's that's a great suggestion, Greg, to uh, put it on uh, have somebody actually make an announcement on the daily schedule and we'll make sure that 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 happens at some point. That's a great um, that's a great um, it, I know it will happen on the printed schedule, on the email schedule, but to actually make an announcement in that morning call might be a great idea, and it's not one I thought of. So uh, thank you for that suggestion, and, and we can do that. But otherwise, I think that we've made a supreme effort. There's always someone somewhere on a remote desert island who will miss the information. I just know it. Um, <laughs> but, but really, I think that this organization does a Herculean job of trying to reach everyone in the various formats and ways that they need it. And um, so we will make sure that, um, that we get that out there as, as absolutely best we can. And on the ninth, on the nineteenth, we will be having a mock election. Just not from the, the affiliate side. A 20th, that's the twentieth. Twentieth. Yeah, that's right. Twentieth. See, right. I always have to keep on track. So you know, I was waiting. Yeah. I, I wanted to correct them before the twentieth. Good. You know, so we will be having it on the individual votes and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it. It like Deb said, it takes a lot. I mean, so yeah. the cheat sheet. We all we joke about it, but it goes. I I work on it. I work with Jeff. And Pat first, because they're the chair and co-chair of the voting task force. And then it goes to Nancy and it goes to, you know, Deb, now the president, you know, before, you know, it's gone to Dan. So it goes through all the channels, you know, and things get added, get, things get changed. Um, so we kind of joke about that with Jeff and Pat and I, because I think there's like two or three drafts before um, it even Deb even sees it or Nancy even sees it, you know, so it's, it's a lot of work. So we, we do, I think we really try to make sure um, to get everything done and get everything out to everyone. And I, I agree. I think it, having it on the community call and, you know, having it recorded and stuff just would be good. One of, one of the missions of this show is absolutely to make sure that all the information is available to all of our members. Um, but I, I, we do very much believe that there is a certain amount of onus on, we have to seek the information. It's out there. You it isn't that hard to find it. And the podcast acbmedia.org, you click that menu, you click podcasts and go down that list. They're all there, including Sunday edition. In fact, it's the first one after all of the ACB official podcasts. Um, so you know, if you if you want the knowledge, it's there. And and thank you so much for reminding us about our phone people. Um, like Deb said, I think that's a great suggestion for the morning daily call. All right, Sheila, who's next? Mary. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for having this, Anthony, uh, everyone. Um, my question is, before the June 19th uh, standing rules um, presentation over the oh, actually opening of convention, will there be, as part of the explanation of standing rules, talking about some of the definitions, you know, like point of information, point of order, point of clarification, those sorts of things? Because with as many 
conventions as I've attended, I, you know, it probably would be helpful to have, to know what those are so that when people know what they should be requesting when it comes time for debate. Yes, that's the voting cheat sheet they've been talking about. Okay, right. so, that, that, so specific that, definitions about what those mm-hmm. yes. things are. Right, so that mm-hmm. it's, it's added into that or it's going to be a separate document. But it's, yeah, that's what we're going to have out specifically. We did up just the definitions and stuff for that so people could have it sent out. And okay, believe great. me, we tried to keep that as simple as we could. <laughs> we did. Because... <laughs> great. It, it's confusing. Thank you. All right. Uh, we've, got, we've got one in Clubhouse. Jane, go uh, ahead. Actually, this is a question um, for, well, I'm asking the question. And that is, those of us who are maybe new to this organization, can you maybe discuss or... So when we register for the convention, are we going to get the how to vote, like the voting codes and stuff? Bonnie, let's refresh so, those dates on your personal voting code. The 12th yeah, so, and the 19th, right? Yeah. So basically the um, so if you have email, Jane, the the voting code will be sent out um, on June 12th or approximately June 12th to anyone that's a member. Um, from it'll be your the from part will be the ACB ballot code and the title will be ballot ACB unique voter code. So you'll get an email about June 12th from with that title and that will have your unique voter code that you'll use throughout the whole time, even for the mock election. <clears throat> so we'll have a single mock election on the 20th of June. And you'll use that that code. So you can, again, vote by phone, which you can do by assistance or do it um, yourself. There's two different options. Or you can do it by your PC. You can do it by your you know, Android phone. You can do it by your tablet, um, your Mac, any electronic. And you don't have to use the same way each time you can you one time if you want to do the phone next time you want to do your your phone you can do that um so now on may 24th which was just this past week minneapolis office sent out in large printer braille to all members who do not have a valid email address a letter stating that they need to call by june 19th to the minneapolis office to receive a voter code and they will turn around then and send out their unique voter code in large print or braille to members. And those of you listening who are, you know, frequent on community calls, we we kind of get to know who are calling in on the phone and and who are participating in that in that way. So, you know, it's it, it, we can also remind our friends, you know, hey, um you're going to be getting a letter, you're going to need to get your call your quote your voter your unique voter code call the Minneapolis office. Yeah. Right. And, and then the other the other thing Connie I would say is that you don't need to uh, register for the convention, although we would love you to do that, right? To be able to vote, right? yes. Yeah. Uh, all members have the right to vote, and so even if you're not registered, sometimes we get questions from people. Well, I got one of those, but I'm not registered for the convention, so now what do I do? 
vote. <laughs> I mean, oh, that yeah. the, the meetings relating to voting will be available and open to all members. And even if you are not registered for the convention, the Minneapolis office is going to send out, actually it's gonna be the DC office this year, is going to send you uh, the information for connecting to those Zoom meetings and how to listen to them on ACB Media as well. But remember, if you're listening on ACB Media and you're not in Zoom, you can't vote because ACB Media is not that smart. It doesn't know how to collect your vote. So <laughs> yeah. the other thing yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to, the other thing I just wanted to mention, because I think this created some confusion last year for people. We are making sure that people have their unique voter code when the official convention starts, because that's kind of the right thing to do. But actually you won't be using it right away because um, on that first night, uh, when we vote on the standing rules, um, I guess the standing rules could go to a record vote, but they don't usually. Um, but typically when we vote on the standing rules, we vote for them uh, just with a raise of hand vote. Um, and then the resolutions from Tuesday through Thursday, will we will attempt a raise of hand vote for each resolution. If a resolution goes to a record vote, meaning that you'll have to use your code and call in to vote on it, then that will not happen until the end of the middle of the next week, because we're going to vote all the resolutions and the bylaw amendments, constitution and bylaw amendments all at one time. So, um, so you will not be using that code right away. So don't think that just because you finished the virtual part of the convention and we're now moving into the hybrid part that you can throw away your code that you won't need it because you probably will not have used it yet so please hang on to that email with your code hang on for dear life and we'll announce when you can pitch it you can pitch it when we get to the banquet <laughs> and no. not before <laughs> but, but remember though although no. you should never give up your code you don't actually use your code if you're voting on your computer or your, right. you know, your right. iPhone or whatever. But you do need the. You have to input the code if you're calling in on a landline. Right, right. Or, or but they need the link that's associated with that code, so they that's still right. want to keep that email right to hand. In fact, you know what I did with mine last year is I re-emailed it to myself. I forwarded it to myself every day during the actual usage part. So when, when we were down to where we might be going to use it, I forwarded yesterday's to myself today so that it would be, oh, within five or 6,000 of the top of my email because I get a lot of email. But it did yeah, really help I, me, you know, so whatever it, did, it takes. Yeah. Um, my husband put his in the calendar and, and it was in there. So whatever, whatever works for you, um do what I you flagged need to mine do. so it would be right okay. at the top that's of the good flag. too yeah whatever yeah, whatever works calendar. for you whatever works for you is just a-okay but know that even though we're going to have had it a while um that we're really not gonna probably need to use it until we get in person and so um for those of us who are in person and then um you know so it that could be very well the case. And so if it is, then um, you still want to hang on to it. So we really will tell you when you can finally delete all the copies. Um, 
because it was confusing to me. <laughs> so we'll tell you. It's but it's at the banquet. I will announce at the banquet, and now you can delete your code. <laughs> Let me yeah. do a quick hand check, Sheila. Any hands? No, sir. And you got five minutes. All right. So Deb, um, we had a conversation the other day, the BPI GDUI MCAC candidate forum due to conflicts so that the candidates themselves are not harried <laughs> and rushing and going in between and trying to monitor two meetings mm-hmm. has been moved to Sunday, the 25th of June um, at what did we say? 8 p.m. Six, you said 6 p.m. at 6 p.m. Eastern. So you that's where you will find. And can you remind everybody when they can listen to the BOP candidate forum? Um, let's see. <laughs> that's a trick June question. 14th. Yes, June I, I got 14th. It. <laughs> yeah, it I'll is June, you, it is June 14th. <laughs> it is June 14th. It will be um seven o'clock central, eight o'clock eastern. And um and that will be when the and it will be streamed on uh, media one. And uh, that is when the uh, BOP candidate forum will be occurring. And the candidate pages are up. And yes, the candidate they, pages are up. Yeah. Yes, they are. And Connie, where can they go to see the candidate pages? You go to acb.org and you <laughs> go down and then you go down to um, candidate pages and it will see. Yeah, it's a heading down there. there. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Take the heading down there and then click on that and it will get you right to the pages. And there they are. Absolutely. All right. So my esteemed panelists, any final thoughts? No, just don't hesitate to reach out. If you had any questions, you know, Jane, um, Anthony is how to get a hold of me. If you, if we want to go over dates or anything specifically, just reach out. I do one-on-ones. I do, you know, set up the calls or send out anything, emails. So just let us know what, if there's anything else we can help you guys with. And, and please talk to people about voting. I really want our members to vote. Yes. And you know, I just want to say, like, you know, I have a member that I know that doesn't have, you know, does a phone. And so I already told her that it was going to be different this year. And I told her that I would reach out to her. So mm-hmm. if you know a member, you know, and she doesn't always register for vote for the convention, but she votes. I mean, she's a diehard voter. Good. And so, and she's one of our four last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, reach out to your people, you know, and that don't have it and make sure that they understand why they got the letter and have them, you know, and help them if you need to. Yeah, it'd be a great idea to send out a note to your affiliate, probably your affiliate has an Uh email list or your chapter certainly might even, but particularly at the affiliate level, you don't need to necessarily be a officer or board member or whatever to carry this story. And like around the 12th, if 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 you want to do so, uh, send out um, some notification to your list and say, hey, if you didn't get your vote, if you're a member, um, uh, then you and you didn't get your voter code. And and of course, the sad thing is that sometimes people do call in to ask for their voter code, thinking that they're a member, and somehow they have not been re signed up as a member. So. Um, you know, that that's always um, a concern and frustration, too. But definitely help help everyone um, Absolutely. Uh, get this information, because no matter what we do, I mean, all the things that we talked about with Greg, no matter what we do, there's always somebody who didn't get it. So please tell people. 
Well, I would like to thank my panelists for giving us all this amazing information. Bryn, Sheila, and Jane, thank you for working behind the scenes. Tomorrow at 12 p.m. is the Sunday edition inaugural book club event. We will be discussing A Wrinkle in Time and the 70th annual Florida Florida Council of the Blind Convention kicks off on Thursday night. There's a lot of good stuff, folks. Please join us on ACB Media or register and get some Zoom links and join us uh, through the hybrid world. Have a great Sunday and a great week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new show. We're off next week for Florida Convention. Have a great one. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream one. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays. And you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.